And now Eric's going to come up. I had somebody text me today and ask me, what is he going to talk about? And I was like, are you serious? So, let's find out. God, you're so faithful, and this dude is so faithful too. We thank you for Eric. We thank you for the way that he stewards your word, for the way that he stewards your anointing, for the way that he invites your presence with truth, because it's truth that sets us free. So we just welcome your truth tonight as sons and daughters. We're so grateful to you, God. You're such an amazing daddy, God. We open our hearts and our arms to you to hear what do you have to say to us tonight for to transform us to look more and more like you. We open ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. A little pressure. What am I talking on? Uh... You know, to be honest with you, I didn't know how long I was going to be talking on Revelation. And uh, and then this past week, I'm just like having my little routine. And what I kind of do with my messages, I kind of start and I whittle away. And then I save things for later and, and things like that. And so I was uh, kind of preparing for like the next direction. And uh, I said, Lord, if there's any that school is out here. <laughs> it's going to be back nightmares of school here, hearing that bell ring. Uh but I was sitting there just like, Lord, you know, what do you want to talk about? It's like I feel like I've, I've done the, the revelation thing, and um, I felt like I've, I've kind of said what you wanted to say. And, and so I was kind of silent for about another day, and I was like, well, I'm not going to try and figure something out. And so the next morning, again, I do my little routine, and, and I just hit this deep well of more revelation. And uh, so what tonight is going to do, it was kind of the, well, maybe I'll just kind of polish a little bit. And this is actually just the corner before the finish line. So I got tonight, and I got two more coming for you. And the next week is going to be wisdom versus revelation, because there's a really key, powerful message there. And I'm not going to tell you what the last one is. I'm so pumped. I'm not even going to tell you, because I don't want to spoil it. So, Because um, I'll just talk about it tonight. I'm so excited. But tonight, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow up from last week. So last week I talked about how is it possible that if you are in Christ, and you have the mind of Christ... You have revelation. How can you mess it up? And how can you not have the thoughts of Christ and all the things that you can do to, to kind of keep you out of the normal Christian living activity there? And tonight I want to talk about the opposite of like, what are the things and choices we can make that release revelation into our life? What are the things that we do that bring us closer to the, his mind because we already possess it? Sometimes it's just not on. Are you with me? And so what I want to do is I want to focus in on some of those things that would um, inspire and release revelation. And just in case if you missed this series so far, revelation is the unveiling of spiritual truths, spiritual realities, and the thoughts of God. First Corinthians 3.16, we have the mind of Christ. That's where it comes from. And we exhausted the biblical kind of explanation for revelation. And last week where I left off about the things not to do was having an incomplete response to God, refusal to embrace mystery, creating theology from discouragement, and seeking a sign instead of revelation. So this is about what releases it. And so this message has two small appetizers, a steak, and maybe some dessert for you if we're lucky. So the two appetizers, the first one is this, is that we're getting real profound here. To hear God's voice, to hear his revelation, you have to first make time to listen. 
super deep. I'm going to let that just get in. Wait till everybody has that, right? But it's amazing how making room for the Spirit is so often overlooked. How many disciples did Jesus have? The incorrect answer is 12. Let's read Luke 6, 12. I'm going to read for you. And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when he came, he called his disciples to him. And he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. So we don't, we totally missed that Jesus had more than 12. But he separated himself. He went to go listen to the Father and said, Lord, what are the 12 that I am purposed here for now? Jesus made time to hear from the Father and receive that revelation. And I'm all for God communicating in, like I said, you know, tacos and fruitcakes and cloud formations. I'm all about that. But there's something wonderful about us developing the spiritual discipline just to hear him and to listen to him and to make that space to say, God, what do you want? Sometimes I wonder when we have all of our distractions, like we have the world's information right here, right? We have Facebook and the bloop, bloop, oh, who liked my what? You know, like, and we have this constant distraction. I hate that. That's like the thing that you, you post on Facebook and you're like so tempted. Did anybody like it? You know, and you, and you're, you're like the world is filled with distractions and things in your mind. And, and, and it's so hard to have a clear mind. I wonder if God would increase a revelation if we would give him a quiet mind. In all the world of distractions we have, if we want to seek revelation, not just simply saying, okay, God, I'm available if you want to form a cloud. It's saying, Jesus, I am going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you a clear mind and a quiet mind. Jesus said he spent all night praying. I'm not saying that's the standard, but I'm not against it either. When we really need to hear the Lord, I just think we're at almost zero for most of us. But the discipline is to say, Jesus, would you speak? And one of the ways in this distracted life is that um, one of the ways that we can close off revelation is when we compartmentalize spiritual life versus secular life. When you have life and you're like, okay, Thursdays or Sundays, like my spiritual life and the rest of my week is regular life, you've completely closed yourself off to revelation for the rest of the week. It's kind of like as if you go to Sunday and you have your phone turned on. You're like, God, would you send me a message? And then you turn your phone off until next Sunday. And you're like, I didn't get any phone calls. And he's like, you didn't turn your phone on. Have you ever had somebody try to reach you and your phone died? And they're pissed at you because they think that you did it you know, on purpose? And like, no, honestly, like it's a droid. The battery's like two hours, you know. And that happens to me all the time. How many know you can't receive a phone call when it's off? <laughs> it's really hard to hear God's revelation when you're not paying attention. I'm not saying that you need to lock yourself in a room and just you know be available for seven days a week. God calls us to be relevant in the market and be in the world. But there's a difference when we say, okay, this is secular, this is sacred. It's all sacred. I don't care where you are. I was talking with Dante and he's catching me up on you know in these high speed chases. You know, like you can be like, Jesus, how's this going to end? This is going to be awesome. You like you can in any moment, whatever the circumstance, you can actually put your mind upon him. Romans 8 gives a little description that says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. 
sorry, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. We need to see things like, we need to see things in life according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And when we begin to look at the details of life according to the Spirit, we will have so much more understanding of the things of the flesh because we're seeing from the Spirit. And be reminded at all times and all circumstances that God is wanting to be connected to you. Sometimes I, I need to like wear, I need to wear like a reminder band. Maybe that's my reminder. You know, it's like that, that God wants to talk to you. Usually at lights, like my ADD kicks in at like four and a half seconds. I'm like, I got to do something, you know? And sometimes I'm just like, Jesus, maybe you want to say something to me. A funny encounter, just about, um, just this principle of being reminded that God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. One of the interesting things is in El Salvador with Jared. And uh, we were trading off with, like, alarms, because remember, I got the droid that has no battery, and he's got the iPhone. And uh, his alarm went off, and I'm, like, looking for where it is. And I pick up his phone, and it says, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm like, What? Good morning, Holy Spirit. What a powerful thought to start your day with a reminder that Jesus wants to talk to you. And even right there, maybe you set your alarm and you say, good morning, Holy Spirit, and you just give him five seconds in bed. Give him two minutes and say, Lord, I haven't checked anything. I haven't turned on anything. I don't even know what's going on. I just give you a clear mind right now to hear. And when you hear, you need to write it down. It's just not important to hear and be like, oh, well, that was good, and move on. Some of the most powerful things, like, they'll get in your mind. For me, it's sometimes, like, in the shower or it's, like, on the way to coffee, and I'll get something, and I can hear it perfectly, and I have to go and run and get it down. And if I don't, sometimes I'll lose it. I'm like, oh, what was it? And I, I can't remember it. But sometimes the voice of God comes in such purity that we need to be prepared to memorialize it. So many of the great moves of God, they end with God parts a sea, and then he says to them to do what? Build something incredible. Build a tower of rocks so that you will never forget. And what we need to develop in our life as we hear from God is we need to be able to memorialize it and to write it down. It can be a little notepad file in your phone. It can be something that can write on your hand. I don't care. But when we write these things down, we get in the discipline of saying, Jesus, I'm ready. Jesus, I'm going to take this seriously. I wonder how many people don't hear from God because God doesn't think that they take it seriously. If you believe you have the mind of Christ and that God speaks to you, then you need to ask yourself, do I, do I take it seriously enough to do something with it and respond to it? Number two is don't reject Revelation's simplicity. One of the hard things for me is that when I started to seek Revelation, I wanted to seek profoundness, if that's a word. I was like, God, I don't want to have revelation. I want to sound really, really smart. I want to sound like all these other people. I had like this list of people that I wanted to sound like and talk like and be like. And that is not what God, you know what, how much revelation I got from that perspective? Zero. All I found myself doing is just mimicking what they were doing. I wasn't seeking my own revelation. And what I found is that sometimes is that Jesus was giving me such simple things and I was Ignoring us, sweeping it all away, because I wanted something profound, something big, something that was really complex and really descriptive. And then one of my first pieces of revelation is that the kingdom of God is simple. 
The kingdom of God is simple. Jesus looked to children and says the kingdom is theirs to behold. The kingdom belongs to the children, meaning that there's a simplicity to it that we must first find. Paul even warns to this about our relationship with God getting complex. Do you have a dating relationship that's like way too complex to describe? You're like, I just, I'm single. I'm not even going to describe it. You know, or you just like, it's not even worth it. It's too complex. The same thing is with our walk with God. It actually should be simple. And Paul warns again this. He says, I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Let me translate for you. A complicated theology and a complicated relationship with God is more likely the work of the devil than it is inspiration from God. I talk to people, and their theology and their relationship with God is so complex. I'm like, dang, like you guys need to have a DTR or something. Like, get this over with. Do you know how you can tell somebody who's lying? The story they tell gets more complicated. Right? You know someone's lying is when they're giving, like, all these unnecessary details and perspectives and, and outs and, like, you know, that's really, like, I didn't ask for all of that. You know, you can kind of understand when someone's sweating it by how complicated they make something. Amen? I'm just going to take that as a little highlighter. <laughs> the story gets complicated when lies are present. But revelation is the opposite. When you have the mind of Christ, you have revelation. Something is being unveiled and something is getting clearer and simpler. The mind of Christ comes to simplify and give us perspective and to give us clarity. But if you go on Amazon.com and you type in God or Jesus, you will find millions of people who are making their living off of making the kingdom of God complicated so they can write a book about it. That one might get me in trouble. There are people in the church, there are people in the kingdom who depend on making the kingdom of God complicated so that you are dependent upon them. It says we all have the mind of Christ, not just one person who has an author who, who published a book, who makes royalty payments, who has a seminar and a book and a DVD set that you can buy for nineteen ninety nine ninety five. You know, it's the mind of Christ is for all of us. But people who make the kingdom of God complicated, what they do is they're making people codependent upon them. It keeps followers of an individual instead of releasing them to have their own revelation, have their own identity, have their own power. The beauty of having the mind of Christ is that how many know that you don't need a middleman to get to Jesus? First or second John says you have no need for a teacher for the spirit teaches you. I love seeing you guys all here, but I'm not offended if any of you guys show up. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ, you have the Spirit. I'm like, it's not my responsibility to feed you because you have a direct access to God. We come here to be encouraged to have fellowship and in communion, awesome worship. But so many times we can find someone who has created a complicated theology that we find ourselves dependent upon, and we find people that can be dependent upon teachers churches, denominations, institutions, professors. I mean, God didn't, God designed those people to be people who bear light so that you can get to their place faster. A good teacher will help you get to their position faster than they got. 
A bad teacher keeps you as their pupil. Jesus says the Spirit comes to give you all truth. Jesus doesn't want to say, well, I've only entrusted it to a few, and you better attend every Sunday, because otherwise you're stuck. You know, he's not going to do that. The other thing on this about not rejecting Revelation because it's too simple is don't reject Revelation because it's awkward or weird. Someone say amen. I was in, again, El Salvador, and we did a, a treasure hunt in El Salvador, which if you don't know what that is, it's we sit and we quiet our minds and say, Jesus, give us pictures and, and things and, and narratives and stories and details. And one of them was a Christmas tree. How do you know that there are no Christmas trees in El Salvador? It's like barren palm trees and flat. There's not a whole lot there. I mean, there's like a volcano. But the point is to have a Christmas tree in March be our word. And we're like, we're just going to run with it. And so when we walked into a house, and there's a couple there, and we asked to pray for the couple, the person who had the Christmas tree word basically is like, I'm just going to go for it and just say, for whatever reason, I just feel that the picture of a Christmas tree came up, and the couple broke down. And the Christmas tree represented for them the greatest argument they ever had, and they almost divorced, and that was like the the disagreement or issue they had several months ago, and their relationship had never yet fully recovered. It spawned this whole thing, and so there they are weeping and just like cannot believe that God spoke to these Americans who can't speak Spanish and brought the word Christmas tree. Except for when Ray was there. We spoke great Spanish when Ray was there. Revelation is judged by the fruit, not the method it came in. Fruit is judged by its own fruit, not the delivery truck. Amen? You don't go to the grocery store and be like, Ooh, do you have a picture of this tree? You don't do that. You're like, the fruit looks good. I'm going to take the fruit. And Jesus says, every good tree produces good fruit. The fruit, the fruit is what determines if it's a good tree or not. But sometimes we can reject good fruit because we don't like what the tree looks like. Just because you don't like the person doesn't mean what they gave to you isn't legit. Doesn't mean you don't need to hear it. Eric Waterbury should be a green right there. <laughs> don't discount the revelation because you don't like the person it was delivered by or the circumstances in which it came. It doesn't matter where it is. When God wants to give us revelation and give us insight, it can happen anytime. And it's for us. And how many know that the truth doesn't feel good sometimes? Sometimes the truth is not pretty. Amen. Sometimes the truth hurts. And in our mindset of being offended, we can totally miss the fruit and totally miss the meaning. All right. Those are your two appetizers. Here we go. This is the main thing I wanted to share tonight. If you want to live in a life that inspires revelation, do this simple thing beyond the two Expect ones. It's this. It's build character that is unafraid of revelations implications. Build character that is unafraid of revelations implications. Let me just give you a little reminder backstory on that. Revelation is purposed for transformation. Things changing. How many know that weights are heavy? You want to get, like, buff? Like, you have to lift heavy things. We're going real deep here again. (laughs) That transformation is not an easy endeavor. 
Another way of saying it is that revelation expects a response. Check out this fascinating verse that Jesus gives us in John 16. He said this to the disciples, now that there are 12 of them. He says, I have many more. Everyone say more. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Everyone say now. Here Jesus is with his 12, that they are the posse. They are connecting. He's saying, there is more, but you can't bear them now. What does that mean? That there's more waiting for us later. Amen? I'm just going to take it as the school saying amen. Translation, Jesus said that there is more, but right now in your condition, where you are at this exact moment, you are not in a position to handle it. He said that you cannot bear it now. If you hear one thing tonight, it's this, is that God hides revelation for us, not from us. People can get so fed on what God isn't doing in their life, right? And they look at somebody else, oh, he's got all this. I used to say, he's got the red phone to God and be all like pissed. Because my walk didn't look like someone's walk. My fruit didn't look like their fruit. I would get like all comparative and, and bitter. But I realized in this that God hides truth and revelation for us. He doesn't hide it from us. What does this mean? It means that there is more available as I'm ready. There's more revelation, more truth. There's more available to me as I'm ready. Jesus says, I could give it to you now, but it would overwhelm you now if I gave it all. Camille and I dated for about 12 months. I knew in about 12 seconds I want to marry her. I think that she needed 11 months and 29 days to figure out that she wanted to marry me. I was way ready to marry her before she was ready to marry me. She was like, and I'm, I'm the over the top guy. I'm like, Hey, let's go hang out. And I'll put like dinner on a roof with our own caterer. Like that was like the type of things I would do. I propose in a private jet. I do crazy things, but that was not appropriate at the current time in our dating relationship. She was so just like checking me out. Like what on earth are you about? And I wanted to go and like bring a serenading chorus and to sing her every night after our first date. But if I would have done that, it would have scared her away. I'm not giving guys any ideas here, just so you know. It's bad advice. Like I didn't do that. So, But I knew just because it was a reality in my heart, I had to wait patiently until her heart was ready. It didn't change how I felt. It didn't change the reality for me. But I needed to temper myself so that I would not overburden and overwhelm her. Ladies can do that too. You know, you can be at a first date. You're like, yeah, this hat looks good. So how many kids do you want to have? You know? <laughs> it's not like the topic is off limits. It's just it can't happen in the first 12 seconds. Steve. Wait till 20 seconds. I don't know. The point is, let me reel it back to Jesus here. In the same way, the revelation of God can be a burden for you if you are not ready for it. Jesus reveals enough to give us vision for what's ahead, but not enough so that we're not burdened by it or overwhelmed. People feel like they get overwhelmed. Sometimes with Jesus like, grow up. He's not going to give you 
more than what you are not capable of right now. If he's given you the revelation, he's actually equipped you right now to walk it out. We have to understand that that there is a whole entire adventure, there's an entire universe, there's a well after well of revelation available for us in Christ, and he gives it to us in doses when we are ready and to handle it. Jesus says, I could tell it to you now, but you could not bear it. When you are so overwhelmed by the just the magnitude, something happens as you never start. When you are completely overwhelmed, when, when just the obstacle is just enormous, one thing happens to you is you don't even take your first step. You're like, why do I even try? Imagine if um, you showed up to an epic life hiking trip, which happens often. You show up, you got like your tennies on, you go there. We got Mike leading the hike here. Hey, Mike, so what are you going to do? Yes, yeah, so we're going to start in Auburn. We're going to go all the way up over Heavenly, go up through the, the Lake Shasta, head up to Oregon, summit Mount Hood, go down, circle around Bachelor, go up to Washington, do Mount Rainier, head east to the Appalachians, come down, have some Mardi Gras, come back, and hang out. Can you imagine that? You'd be like, you're out of your mind. I'm not. Go- that would take years. Let me tell you, you are on a lifetime journey with Jesus. You actually are on that journey right now. You're actually on that journey with Jesus right now. But you know what he's doing with Revelation? He's saying, hey, come on, let's go for a hike. Over that hill, there's a really cool lake I want to show you. We can do it in a little bit. But if you connect all the dots, Jesus actually has you on this crazy adventure that if he showed you the entire thing, you'd be so dismayed and you wouldn't even begin. So it's actually in his mercy that he allows you to have limited revelation for where you're prepared to respond. Amen? Are you guys tracking with me? If you get the full revelation, your instant thought is how unprepared you are. The revelation we get comes in part, which keeps us hungry for what's next. But God reveals truth to us as we develop character and strength. Why would Jesus reveal something you're not ready to be transformed by? Revelation requires responsibility, and your revelation will match your capability. I didn't even try to have that rhyme, but it was kind of cool. But here's the underlining wonderful truth in that. It's in God's mercy. Let me say that again. It's in God's mercy that he keeps revelation hidden until people are ready to obey. He doesn't want to increase the responsibility of those who aren't ready to obey. Have you ever felt that someone set you up for failure? Our father's not like that. He's not going to give us a pile of Legos and say, build me a combustible engine. He, in his mercy, is going to give you the revelation to obey, and he's not going to put you in a circumstance in which you are incapable of obeying. But how you respond and how you live that out is going to make all the difference. And that means is that we don't need to wait for empowerment. We don't need to wait for growth. Have you talked to somebody who they are never satisfied with whatever they're doing? 
It's like, wow, you just made a million dollars. Yeah, but there's other people who have ten. You know, like if you talk to people who get all the things going from, and they never can say yes. They can never celebrate the, the, the goodness of God for where they currently are at. They're always just something else. It's always kind of, well, I got this cool car, but I got it at CarMax, and it was like highly discounted. And, you know, even you hear people like that instead of saying, I got a cool car. I got a cool car. I got a great job. And I'm stoked for it. But sometimes people are so consumed with being this, this journey of, of dissatisfaction because of their growth that they never can grow because they're too focused on how crappy their current circumstances are. Is that making sense? You're on a journey, but don't be discouraged at your place in the journey. We hear people all the time like, yeah, I got a lot to go. Well, there's a train that leaves every hour for where everybody's going. <laughs> I'm on that train. I'm not arrived. I'm not anywhere like that. But it helped me see that in the absence of revelation were actually the times of my life where I was least likely to obey. And when my life got in order and my ability to obey brought up, my revelation was brought up. And this explains why we can have the same spirit I have the same mind of Christ I've always had. I have the same spirit of God I've always had. But there's a difference in my life now. I'm not a better Christian. I'm just in a better position to respond to his revelation. The same thing is for you. There is no difference. You don't need to have a standard of how is my walk doing. Jesus is in you. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's the max. But your position and your ability to obey fluctuates totally but there's always a new opportunity to obey. Amen? How you guys doing? Do you want a little ice cream? All right, here's just some random thoughts for you. The move of God is hindered by God's own people who believe that God doesn't move. Let me say that again. The move of God is hindered by God's own people who don't believe that God moves. God moves by giving his people his thoughts. 100%. God didn't look for productive Christians. He's like, oh, I need to find all these people that they're really good at being busy and looking busy and have Bible covers. Like he didn't come for any of that. He came for the purpose that we would have his spirit, his presence, his thoughts. Why do we have so much of what Jesus possesses? Have you ever thought about that? If you can count all the things that we possess that Jesus gave to us, it's incredible why so that we would live as Jesus lived, that we would respond as him. And thus a threat to living in Revelation, here you go, a threat to living in Revelation is being an atmosphere of people who reject Revelation, who don't believe it's for today. There's lots of Christians, lots of churches that, talk about the, that life is about sin management. You need to just not screw up enough in this lifetime and die, and you have your fire insurance, you go to heaven. And that's all it is. They sell fire insurance. That's all they're doing. They're not teaching us to live transformed. And those people often, not to be critical of other churches, but oftentimes there are people who have the absence of revelation that are threatened by people who do have revelation. 
If you have revelation and you're like connected with God, let me tell you, you're in the minority of the body of Christ. But you are one of the most vital parts. And if you walk in revelation, I guarantee you that you will become less popular. Amen? Waterbury should be standing up clapping. (laughs) Why? Because, again, the truth isn't pretty and truth doesn't people please. Truth never people pleases. Revelation ultimately is released because it makes us secure. Revelation authenticates us, it validates, it clarifies us, and it's based on truth. But flesh produces insecurity because the flesh is about comparison. People who don't have revelation are threatened by those who do. They're comparing. And the response to that insecurity with somebody who has revelation is to control them. I just say it just for us to be aware that the natural response of being connected to God can be painful. It can make dinner conversations really weird. It can make families like kind of raise an eyeball at you. It can do a whole lot of things. But the move of God requires people who are hearing from God. And I don't want to be on the wrong side of that fence. I don't want to live a good Christian life and not have impacted the world, not impacted the kingdom. And you can actually hinder, and this is my last point, I have the band come up, you can hinder the move of revelation by abusing revelation. I think we all have stories in here about somebody who heard from God and then it was wrong. Right? Anytime somebody's like, oh, oh, you go to that church? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, aren't you a little concerned about the stuff they do, you know? People raise their hands and worship. Like I have like family members, like their worship is like gripping the pew. It's like the harder they grab, the deeper their worship. (laughs) And so it's like very terrifying for there to be like, you know, people that are totally free. Spirit came to set you free. Who cares? But sometimes we can take the revelation and we can run too far. We certainly can hear wrong. That's why it says test the spirits. Test the spirits. We live among people who all have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means that all of us, as revelation comes, there should be other people who have eyes and ears to be able to see and look at it. Let me make a confession. There was a revelation recently that I was wrong on. I was like walking. I I, I felt I had heard from God. I went and just got all this stuff ready. And I, I was prepared. I was ready to go after this thing that I was like so sure on. And you know what happened? I get an email from Jared Eilering. I get a conversation from Ashley. I get an email newsletter bulletin that I rarely read, all confirming that I was in the wrong. It's pretty humbling. And and multiple people, too. I was like so sure I had prepared it, and all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, I don't have the key on this. And so I just yield. If you're confirming it in my midst, unprovoked, all these different people that are confirming the same thing, who am I to say, no, I'm right? And you know what? I backed off. And that word is right on. I was totally wrong. So we need to live in a community where we're not afraid to share and talk and reveal what God is revealing in us. 
Because in there, there's the balance. And I don't want us to be a community that just has this this arrogance about the mind of Christ. Be empowered with the mind of Christ. You're powerful, but we remain humble. We remain centered. We remain in community. I get worried when people get on fire for God and they leave community. Something's wrong there. The revelation should draw you deeper into community relationship. That's all I got for you guys. I love you.